Hi there, you're listening to the First Baptist Church of Oregon Sunday Podcast. I'm Pastor John Witham. This sermon, Simeon and Anna, is from 5 January 2020. The scripture is Luke 2, 25-38. Thank you for listening, and may the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. It was... The mid-90s, and I, I, I don't know if this was just a thing that I was interested in when I was a kid, but time capsules. It seemed like time capsules were a, were a big thing at that point. You, you, you take a, 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 some sort of a container, preferably something that can keep out the elements, and you put things in it. And what things you put in depend on largely who's putting together the time capsule. If, you know, your, uh, if our church were putting together a time capsule, we might put in um, a bulletin. We might put in a picture of ourselves. Um, things like that. You know, a, a book of, maybe a book of pictures, uh, or at this point, a USB stick full of pictures. But several years before, in a little railroad town, in West Virginia, the people had, had put together a time capsule, and they had buried it. They thought, well, let's, let's put all these things in there. We'll put newspapers, and we'll put lots of other things. But no one was quite sure what had gone in the time capsule, because no one made a list. All right, fair enough. So they, they, they have this metal container that they clearly thought was watertight. And you can see where this is going. And they put everything in it, and they buried it in the ground. And they couldn't just, you know, have it out. They called the Today Show from New York City to come all the way down to this little railroad town in, in West Virginia. And, and there must have been something more that my memory is failing me. But the point is, national television, the eyes of the country are on this dinky town in West Virginia and their time capsule, and they pull it out, and they take the top off, hoping to find something from the past that will give them clarity and some information about the future. And they take the top off, and they reach their hands, and they pull out mush because water had gotten in, and it was, it was just a wreck. Everything was ruined. And the, the hosts were left scrambling to find something nice to say because it was 7 o'clock in the morning and they had, they had driven all the way down to West Virginia and they were just frustrated. But it was the waiting. Somebody had waited for that time capsule, hadn't they? They had set it in the ground. They had kept track of, of what, was, what was to come and they expected that moment when the time capsule would be pulled out of the ground. We've just come out of the, we're coming out of the Christmas season. And we, we've had Christmas Eve and Christmas morning where we look at, at the birth of Jesus. We look at how Jesus was born in humble beginnings and humble surroundings to an unwed mother and an unwed father, and his birth was heralded not to kings and queens or, or nobility or the wealthy of the land, 
but to shepherds keeping their fields by night. And so now we've come to the temple. See, Mary and Joseph were obedient in to the supernatural leading of God, but they were also obedient to God's law. They wouldn't just fulfill what the angels had told them. They were also fulfilling what God's word had laid out for them to do. So they show up at the temple, and because of the Passover, because of the firstborn of, of firstborns of the land being taken, if it weren't for the blood of the lamb over the doorframe, God had claimed all firstborn sons as his own. And so the parents would offer make an offering to God in recognition that this child belonged to God and they would make an offering to God for the privilege and the honor of, of raising this child. And there were different kind of categories of offering that you could give. You could give a blemishless lamb, but those were expensive. And there were a few other things that you could go progress down in. But if you were poor, if you had nothing else that you could give, you could give a couple of doves or pigeons. And that's what they did. Because Jesus was born into a poor family and he spent his life identifying with the poor. So they fulfilled the law. The Messiah is in the temple fulfilling the law. And this is a big moment. Because it's a great reversal of expectations. The whole book of Luke, as you read the book of Luke, look for the reversals. Look for things that are expected to be one way, but end up being another. Look for things that are supposed to be this way, but end up being that way. The glory of the Lord in Ezekiel leaves the temple. And a lot of people were eagerly awaiting for the return of the glory and the presence of the Lord to return to the temple. And they weren't expecting a baby. They weren't expecting a poor baby to poor parents. But here Jesus is. The Messiah is back in the temple. And it's a big moment. People were waiting for this. Simeon was waiting for this. Anna was waiting for this. And here these two people enter into the scene. They have, they have performed the ceremony of, of redeeming the Lord, who, who did not need to be redeemed. He was Jesus after all. But they've done this to fulfill the law. The law has been fulfilled. The Lord is in the temple. And now people recognize it. See, the people had waited and waited and waited. And it had been a long time coming. And it seemed like a period of darkness. And they were looking for things from the past to guide them in the future. They were occupied by the Romans. They were occupied by the Greeks before that and by several other enemy occupations before that. 
and they wanted freedom from their captors. They wanted liberation from the, the tyranny they sensed. And here they were. They were looking for it. And they didn't know what they were expecting. Because what they were expecting was a, a, a king to come in a kingly way. They thought that he was going to conquer and cast off these, uh, these earthly bonds. Instead, what they get is a baby. But that doesn't matter to Simeon and Anna. Because to them, light has arrived back in Israel. Light has returned to God's people. They could have hope again. Simeon declares this openly. He had been promised by God that he would not taste death until he saw the glory of the Lord, until he saw the, the, the Messiah of, of God. And the Spirit stirs them, him and he goes. And this is another great theme in Luke is that the, the Holy Spirit is stirring, is starting to stir and move and, and work behind the scenes before in, in Acts, the sequel to Luke, the Holy Spirit boldly appears on the scene. So the Spirit gets Simeon and ushers him into the temple. And he makes a declaration. And he talks about who Jesus is and what Jesus is going to be. And it's relevant to our lives and our world. Because our world is mired in darkness right now. The events on the world political stage of the past few days, I think you kind of have to be hiding under a rock to not have heard about the things that are going on, the threats that have been made, the aggressions that have happened. And our world needs light. Our world needs the light of Jesus. Desperately now more than ever. And sometimes we don't know where to look for the light, do we? Sometimes it seems like as we hear so much bad news over and over again, that the light in us gets dimmed. That we get discouraged and we get downtrodden because we feel like there's just too much evil in the world. There's just too much awful things that are happening. But the light that Simeon proclaimed is undimmable. We may have a difficult time seeing it, but it's here. The light shines where we expect it. The light shines in places like the church amongst God's people. The light shines in places when we, when we sit down at the table with each other together and we discern the presence of Jesus in our midst. We see the light very easily when God's people are together with God's people. But we also see the light where we don't expect it. A friend of mine commented on, on her Facebook that um, she was at the, the DMV 
the other day. She just moved to St. Louis. And uh, she was at the DMV getting her new documents and everything like that. And she thought, I'm not going to poke at my phone today while I sit here. I'm just going to see if I can start a conversation. And she started up a casual conversation, just asking the person next to her how their day was going. And pretty soon, five different people were clustered around them, all kind of talking and, and having, having kind of a conversation together because people are seeking the light. And when they find it, they're drawn to it. When they find the kindness and compassion, the kindness and compassion that comes from Jesus, even when it's not recognized as coming from Jesus, people are drawn to it. The light isn't always accepted. Simeon warns Mary, they're, they're not going to like Jesus. My mom was always surprised when people didn't like me. How could they not like you? But he, he outright tells Mary, people aren't going to like this guy. Some aren't. And the people who were going to oppose Jesus were the people who expected him to ride in as a conquering king. They didn't expect the kingdom to conquer in a more lasting and permanent way. Because military might is temporary, but the kingdom is forever. God's kingdom has no end. But God's kingdom also is, is a lot harder to discern, isn't it? It's a lot harder to see God's kingdom being built in our midst. And so we think, ah, you know, all, all of this kingdom stuff is nice, but, but you know, we, we need to take care of the real world problems. This is the real world. The kingdom is reality. Because the light of God's kingdom is eternal. The kingdom of God is justice and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And that will not end and it will not fade. And the weapons of the world can rage and bombs can be dropped and guns can be fired. But the compassion and peace of God's kingdom is eternal and it's built person to person by us sharing the light of Jesus one person at a time, one neighborhood at a time, one neighbor at a time. And it's slowly built so that neighborhoods turn from being places where no one knows each other on the block to places where it's safe for kids to play in the street. That's what happens when the light comes in. But it's going to face opposition. It's going to face opposition from people who don't understand it. But the light shines anyway. We keep shining the light of Jesus. Because that's, that's what Anna was there for. She saw the light. She saw Jesus. She saw Simeon making his declaration. And she comes up while they're talking. 
and she finds out what's going on with Jesus, and she goes back and she tells the other people who were waiting for the light what she's seen. And that's all that we can do as followers of Jesus is share the light. Sometimes we have to encourage each other. Sometimes we have to keep each other lifted up. But when we live in the light, the dark moments don't last for very long. When we live in the light, even when we're having a hard time seeing it, God makes sure that we're always reminded that that light is there. That's why we need the church. It's so that we can keep each other lifted up in the light of the Lord. The light has come, and the darkness will not overcome it. That's what the, what, uh, the Gospel of John proclaims. Simeon proclaims it, that the light has come to God's people, that the light has come to the whole world. And this is the light that we share, and this is the light that we live in.